Hello again and welcome back. December 18th, 2019, Wednesday. We are a week away from Christmas. That's hard to believe, isn't it? It's exciting at the same time. We are pushing through the book of Luke and look, you're you're doing great. You're almost there. Keep persevering. I know some of you are catching up and that's okay too. We're glad you're catching up on whatever day it is that you are listening to this. Keep reading. We're going through this together. Luke 18. I don't know if you remember this. A couple of uh, days ago, we talked a little bit about how as we get through Luke, the parables become a little bit more obscure and complex. And we're going to find that to be true in this text today as we look at the parable of the persistent widow. But I think once we kind of study a little bit, we'll see some meaning for us behind it. Uh, which should be beneficial for us. But we also get to talk about a rich young ruler and how the children are invited to come and be with Jesus. And wow, that just speaks well to me because, boy, sometimes I feel like an immature child, but I'm glad I am welcomed. And I'm sure you are glad too. We are in Advent, right? Looking forward to Christmas. So let's hear what Luke chapter 18 has to say to us today. Uh, Again, this parable of the persistent widow. Uh, Kind of interesting. And as we get into that, maybe I should first just ask a question. Do you ever feel like sometimes that life is not just or it's not fair? Sure you do. How many of you have ever been in a situation where uh, somebody either harmed you or harmed your property and got away with it? I remember when I was young, somebody came by our family's house and smashed our mailbox. I know I'm not the only one that's had that happen to him. Has that happened to you? It's not fair, right? We had to pay for the damages. Uh, Maybe somebody did something uh, similar to you. It's frustrating. I remember times when I felt my family unjustly punished me for something that I felt wasn't that bad or something I didn't do. Of course, there are times when I didn't get punished for things that I did, but we don't need to talk about that. So we have this parable of this persistent widow who goes before a judge. Now, the thing about this judge is he doesn't respect God. He doesn't fear God nor respect man. But he's in this position of authority, right? Power. He can do whatever he wants. It doesn't matter. He can do whatever he wants. But this widow keeps coming to him. She wants justice against her enemy over and over and over again. And he just keeps ignoring her. Finally, these are Jesus' words and quoting the individual, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. But Jesus continues, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night Will he delay over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on this earth? Now, there's a couple of ways of looking at this. uh, Because I know when we're reading this, we're thinking, wait a second. I pray for justice all the time, and it doesn't come quickly. Well, I think this part of the parable, we need to look at the context of where we are in Luke. Actually, justice is coming quickly for God's elect. We are in chapter 18, and we know that there's only 24 chapters in Luke. 
uh, with the crucifixion happening prior to that. The crucifixion is going to be happening, well, beginning, I guess you could say, in 22 and then going into 23 with uh, the whole plot to kill Jesus as well as his arrest. And then when they actually nail him to the cross. But we see this is coming soon. Jesus isn't lying here. This is actually about ready to happen, where God is finally going to give justice for the elect, for you and I, where sin is going to be defeated. However, I think we also need to look at this in terms of the advent of Jesus, that he is coming back to fulfill all things. Now, what does it mean to say come quickly? I guess that's all relative, isn't it? Some might say a lifetime is a long time, but when you talk to somebody who's advanced in their years near the end of their life, they tell you, It goes so fast. And maybe we can say that too, that quickly he is coming. It just might not seem quickly to our eyes, to our experiences. But I think we also need to talk about one other thing. We need to talk about why Jesus tells this parable. It says this in the very beginning of the chapter. It says, he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. What does this unjust judge have to teach us about praying? Well, just like this woman kept going to this unjust individual and finally got what she wants, how much more so can we go to God, right? If she can do that, we can go to God who is not unjust, but is certainly just and righteous. And he's not just a just judge. Well, I said just a lot, didn't I? He's not just a just judge. But he is a just and righteous father. So if we can see this parable playing out and believe that it could happen, and we could see somebody pestering the court system until finally they got justice. Man, we really have it good compared to that, don't we? That we get to go to the father. And he says that we can go to him again and again and again, even if it's the same thing over and over again. He's our father. He wants to hear our concerns. And not just about the big stuff, what we might call the big stuff. He wants to know about all of it. We were kind of joking around in Sunday school yesterday. If you got a hangnail and it's bothering you, pray about it. Why not? After all, hey, even hangnails can cause infections, right? And stem into something worse. I mean, sometimes we think about we only can bother God with the big stuff. No. God wants the relationship with us. Not just taking the burdens, but yes, he wants to do that too. He wants to have a conversation with us about everything because that's what fathers want out of their children. Think about how you want your children to talk to you and have a relationship with you. If we have that feeling about our children, how much more so is our God who is perfect want to have a relationship with us? So the father wants to have a relationship with us. So how can this relationship be established when God says, be holy as he is holy, when we know that we are not holy at all? Well, let's skip over these two sections here. We're going to come back to it, and we're going to skip to the rich ruler, because I think what we're going to find in this conversation between Jesus and this rich ruler is um, a little bit of a application for what he is going to tell us in the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Okay, so this rich ruler comes to Jesus, and ruler eh, could be a leader of the synagogue or something like that, perhaps. Uh, He comes to Jesus and addresses him, good teacher. Now, this is pretty significant here. 
Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? Because no one is good except God alone. So if you're going to call me good, that means you are saying that I'm, hey, like God, which is a confession of faith. And yes, Jesus is good because he is divine. But he's also going to establish the rest of the conversation. No one is good except God alone. So why is that important? Well, he just asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, okay, if you're going to inherit eternal life, you got to do good. Know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. Do all these things. And of course, the guy says, hey, I've been doing them since I was young. I've always been able to keep these commandments. Of course, little does he realize he hasn't actually been keeping them in his heart. Because then Jesus tells him, you lack one thing. Go sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. Right? The guy goes away sad. We don't know if he comes back. We don't know if he'll eventually catch up with Jesus if these words sink in. We just know he's sad because he's extremely rich. He has a lot of stuff. So what we know is that this individual, while he thinks he's keeping all the commandments, especially the first one, right? He thinks he's honoring God. He probably goes to the synagogue. Maybe he knows the Torah. Maybe he has all the proper things memorized and he understands Luther's small catechism. Well, wait, maybe not yet. But he understands exactly uh, what he believes. And you, you might look at this individual and think, wow, he, he is spot on, a leader in the synagogue and the kind of guy that you think would be righteous. You just look at him and think, righteous. He's a righteous guy. However, we actually see that he has a problem. He has this problem with his possessions. He's not necessarily trusting in God. He's trusting in his possessions. And if not trusting in them, he certainly enjoys them. So if Jesus is the good teacher, if you can equate him to God, and he asks you to leave everything and follow him, the question is, are you going to do it? Do you trust him that he will take care of and provide for you? Do you trust that he is going to bring you all kinds of joy that those earthly goods would never be able to do? And that's when Jesus says it. It's hard for an individual who is wealthy to get into the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. What? This is ridiculous, right? In fact, that's what the disciples said. Then who can be saved? But that's the point. This individual who is looking to justify himself was trying to figure out what he could do to inherit eternal life. What can I do to make it happen? See, the answer is, well, nothing. He can't do it. Neither can the disciples. Neither can you and I. We can strive to keep the commandments. And dare I say, we should strive to keep the commandments because we know that those are good for us. It's good for our society when we keep the commandments, when we don't steal, when we honor and respect the authority. It's good that we do that. But we also know that we can't do it perfectly. It would be absolutely impossible, and it is. But what is impossible with men is possible with God. See, that's the key. When we understand this discipleship stuff, it doesn't start with us. It starts with God's good gift in Jesus Christ. We would all be like this rich ruler and course, we can argue about what it means to be rich, but if you're listening to this on your media device, whether it's a phone or a computer, I would probably classify you as pretty wealthy compared to the rest of the world.
It'd be impossible for us to inherit the kingdom of God, whether it be because of our wealth or whether it be because of the other laws that we break. But thanks be to God for his mercy in Jesus. Now, I said we were going to go back, and we are, because this parable uh, of the Pharisee and tax collector is really a great illustration of what Jesus just said. Right? Um, because there were, as he says in verse 9, some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So they're looking at themselves and they're thinking, man, if anybody's going to get in, it's me. Because look around at these other people. Look at these other schmucks. Certainly they're not getting in. I know the things that they've done. Oh, him over there. Woof. I know what he's done or she's done. And let's be honest. We've all fallen into this trap a time or two, haven't we? Or if you're like me, a million times. So what's the parable? Well, two men were in the temple. They're praying, right? The Pharisee, you have a tax collector. And of course, if you hear the story, you're thinking, oh, the tax collector, oh, the bad guy, right? Nobody wants to hang around with the tax collector. They usually get more than they're supposed to get. And they have hired thugs that they send out to get this extra money at times. Those are the kinds of individuals that hang out with tax collectors. But then you have this righteous Pharisee, this guy that knows the law, knows the prophets. He teaches, he preaches. You think if there's somebody that's going to be the good guy in the story, those who are listening to Jesus anyway, they think it's probably going to be the Pharisee because they're pretty good. The Pharisee stands off by himself, right? He's putting himself away from the group. He thinks he's a head taller than everyone else. He's righteous. I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust adulterers, or even like the tax collector. Now, to be sure, this is my words here. We don't want to be an extortionist. We don't. We don't want to be unjust. We don't want to be an adulterer or an idolater. We want to treat people fairly. But what this individual is doing is he's looking at himself, outwardly speaking, really, and looking at these other individuals, outwardly speaking, and he thinks that his ways are much better than anybody else's. See, the reason why he thinks he is just and righteous is compared with other people. But what happens when you compare yourself with God's law? See, that's, again, the thing. Nobody can stand. So who's going to go away just? This Pharisee who looks and acts well, especially before men, outwardly speaking, probably does do a lot of great things. I'm not going to argue with him on that. But what does the tax collector do? He stands far off. He doesn't lift his eyes up to heaven. Probably doesn't think he should. Beats his breast. He knows where the problem is. He beats his chest. The problem is his own heart. It's not anybody else. It's himself. He could probably give a million excuses for why he's done some of the things that he's done. But he says, nope, the problem is here. It's within me. God be merciful. But this is the one that goes away justified. Right? He's humble. The one that's humble is exalted. The one that tries to lift themselves up, they're the ones that are going to be brought down. See, the Pharisee has actually the same problem as the uh, tax collector. I think everybody else has the problem except him. No, he has the problem too. His problem is his pride. The problem is the heart. In fact, the only way that we can be a part of this kingdom of God is if we are like a transition, transition, little children. Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belong the kingdom of God. The only ones that are in 
are those who are like children that have to rely on God. If you rely on yourself, you're not going to get in. If you rely on what you think you can do, you're not going to get in. If you rely on how pure you think you are or how good you think you've been, you're not going to get in. But the beautiful thing is, God wants us like children. He wants us to rely on him. He wants us to call upon him like the persistent widow. He wants us to continue to go to him. And he says, those who rely on me, guess what? You have the kingdom of God. It belongs to you. Wow, that really speaks to me. I hope it does to you. Uh, we are like little children, aren't we? And God, God gives us the kingdom. Well, to finish it off here, we see that Jesus is going to foretell his death for what appears to be the third time. He then is going to heal an individual. Uh, and I just love this, right? Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And he says, I want my sight. Well, guess what? Your faith has made you well. But listen to what this guy does. He doesn't go to the priest. He doesn't go back to his family. He immediately follows Jesus, glorifying God. And then as a result, everybody else starts praising God because they see God's work through him. See, I, I love this when we look at kind of the way that this is talking about humility is that oftentimes we try to put our best foot forward with people. You know, maybe sometimes, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ who we know well, maybe it's not about putting our best foot forward. Maybe it's okay to show our weakness. Maybe it's okay to talk about the, the things that we did that, that weren't so well and that we, when we were really hurting, but God has healed us. God had given us our strength so that the focus isn't on us and how great we are, but it's on how great our God is because us being great doesn't help our neighbor. But Jesus being great does. He's the one that can heal. So I want you to think about that. Not the ways that people have wronged you, but God, having justified you, how can you give him glory today? How can you give praise? Who can you share those things with? All right, everybody. I hope you're having a great day. Great walk towards Christmas. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow.